0: for the tamales guy to pass, because it's going to happen. Eventually. Eventually. Hello, Luis Augusto, how hello. are you? Hello,
1: hello, oh hi. <laughs> how are you?
0: I'm good.
1: Welcome to Mexican Mexicans. You know, we are Mexican, and we really just can't. I mean, exactly. We, we can't.
0: And we sometimes are cunts.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, and we can't, and we sometimes are
0: with sometimes are. Oh, yeah. 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 Anyway, so this is your host, Luis Augusto. He doesn't know. He oh, let me start over. <laughs> no,
1: now you have to. Nope. Now you have to. You. you Damn it. You, you, you fucked it up. <laughs> now own. <laughs> Oh, okay, fine. This
0: is your co host, Luis Augusto. No, he doesn't care you're single. No, he won't tell you you look great in that dress. And no, he doesn't want to be your gay best friend. Oh my God!
1: <laughs> Can I have that made into a t shirt? I will. I, w- I would wear the fuck out of that t shirt. I have to have that made, made into a t shirt, absolutely. That's and gonna... joining me is my co host, Martin Leon, the man who once cried because he chipped a nail while tearing down the patriarchy. <laughs>
0: Uh, that was a nice one.
1: Well, it's it's the dichotomy of Martin Leon, you know. Yes, it is, totally. yeah, He will tear down, tear down the patriarchy, but he will cry because he chipped a nail.
0: Exactly. Well, you know, it's... Don't look at my nails now, people. It's good that we're recording, because my nails are... What
1: colour are you wearing?
0: They're red right now, metallic red, but, it the, like, they've grown, and I already did dishes, so they look kind of...
1: Yeah, I did dishes, and I... What, describe you, my nails. Your nails, they're red... I, mean, I guess they're a bit flaking. The flake, the paint, the polish is flaking off. I suppose, and you haven't painted them in a couple of weeks because they've grown. But no, they like, actually grow grow quite quick. This I have no from, standards. Of, like I've never done my nails. We
0: should do your nails once. Should we? Yes.
1: I don't know. Me and beauty products, we don't really mix.
0: We're, that's why it's going to be funny for us to do it.
1: Right. That that might be fun. We should do it. Yeah. Why not?
0: We're gonna get like we can even do the gel nails, which will stain your nails for weeks on end, and you need to have them filed down, and then your nails like thin afterwards and hurts.
1: Why would you want to do that to yourself?
0: Uh, because they last for longer. <laughs> How-
1: that? How much is a nail these days? Um,
0: how
1: much does it go for?
0: How much? I think the. I, I mean, here in Mexico is way cheaper in, in, compared to the US. By General the way, States, yeah. Uh, but I think here, like the, like you can get a single color gel nail polish for like fifteen dollars, something like
1: that. that. That's expensive.
0: Well, it's like. Yeah, no, like 150 pesos, if not less, if you know where to get it. I was offered a free uh, gel nail um, whole thing at the salon. I go get my hair and beard done, weird enough. It's, It's run by this guy I met at my gym, and...
1: Tell us more, please. Just <laughs> go on, my child. So you went. So one time you went into the gym and you were talking nail as you do, and then this guy says, "You know, I own a barbershop nail shop." <laughs> well, it's a salon,
0: so they have like it's. It, his name's uh, Juan, and he owns this like hair salon, and he has a friend who does nails. <laughs> so I was looking for a new uh, barbershop that was closer to my house because the one I used to go to it's like way it's. It's just further away So uh, I went and I loved it And people have seen me with a haircut and they like it So I was like, fine And then the next time I, I went He was like, hey, if you want us to do your nails We'll do them for the first time for free And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll
1: consider it Your beard is looking very true Thank you very, It's looking very Thank you.
0: Thank you, I get it
1: I get it done at the place where I, I get, get my nails exactly. done Exactly <laughs> <laughs> So how have you been? I've been good actually looking forward to our show on Friday we have a show. Yes yeah
0: it's mine it's my second time doing the my anniversary show which is which it has been edited for to get like have have more jokes and also be a little bit uh, a little bit more um, a little what's the word I'm looking for here. Uh, Like, the ending last time, I felt I kind of dropped the ball in the end. Like, it was okay. Like, it it did not, like, drop the whole show, but I felt like at the end it kind of got muddled. And I'm working on that.
1: Well, uh, Martín is actually doing this, as he says, an anniversary show because... It's nine years doing comedy. Is that right? Nine
0: years doing comedy, yeah. She
1: decided to celebrate by doing this enormous, you know, anniversary show. And trust me, you know, I know it sounds very conceited and self-centered, and it's every bit as conceited and self-centered as it sounds. Like, it's just a me, a night with me, a night with Martín León, the Martín León experience. I'm actually very very much looking forward to it. It's going to be great. I thought the last show was great. I mean, you, you do say that you dropped the ball. I, I don't think you did, because you didn't so much drop the ball as you dropped the mic. Like, it was on purpose. You wanted to end on this That was week. a really nice thing to say. No, story. it's fun. true. It's true. You ended on a serious note, which is a really brave thing to do when you're doing comedy. Like, they always teach you, leave the best for last, and leave them laughing and whatever. And you decided not to. You decided to you know bomb no. <laughs> no no he didn't
0: there's that big augusto we know a love he
1: didn't bomb but it was it was a very serious topic that you covered you know kind of you know you brushed on it all throughout the show but then you ended with this really touching emotional thing and it's very difficult to feel empathy and to laugh at the same time like i think it's very difficult to do that unless you're feeling empathy for someone else's pain but not in the sense that you presented it it was like nobody wanted to laugh because we were feeling for you that's what I felt sitting at the audience you know stars in my eyes oh
0: thank you will
1: I ever be that good
0: you will will I
1: ever be that good
0: you will someday you'll have your own Luis Augusto experience yes People will come from all over the country just to look at your face. Oh God, no!
1: <laughs> and that's when I start like doing doing stand up behind a curtain. It's just my shadow.
0: Actually, there was this uh, comedian whose name I forget. I, but she's Australian, and her first comedy special, she spent half of it under a blanket like a ghost. Well, she's she's Australian, so she says <laughs> duvet. Duvet.
1: <laughs> And I've been under this duvet for 45 minutes. <laughs> it's getting getting a bit, you know, rank yeah. in here. <laughs> uh, I,
0: I haven't seen the show. I've heard it's good. But anyway, uh but yeah, we have that show. You also have a show before that. You're gonna be doing two shows one night. I'm
1: doing two shows because I'm ambitious. You are? I'm doing an English set. Yes. Which is, you know, it's not that really it's not that easy to get an a spot to do English stand-up here in Mexico City. I mean, there, there's some people who want to see it, but it's, you know, mostly Spanish. Like, it would be, you know, mm-hmm, what, what wouldn't course. it be. But, yeah, I'm really excited, a bit nervous. I, I still have to write a lot of things, you know, just kind of, like, weaving stuff together. But, you know, it's, I think it'll be good. And if it, if it isn't, then I just get to go to your show and do it well. Yeah. So,
0: and you're going to do a full half hour in my show. It's have going you to be heard, a great have show. Have you heard
1: of The Curse? People have told me of The Curse. that if you do more than one show in one night one, it, one will be terrible and one will be good like there's no such thing as doing two good shows
0: I've heard of that curse actually lately and this is going to sound conceited again but um, there's another curse they say that uh, you have two good shows and then one bad show um, okay supposedly you you like you have one good show then another show and then one bad show uh, which is exactly the same thing I said just in anyway so say it again, please no. Well I, I've been having a lot of good shows, and I feel. That, yeah, um, I haven't bombed, like, yeah, maybe I've had some audience, audiences that weren't completely there with me, but I've been having good shows, and I just feel that this is just building up to a monumental bomb. and I'm uh, scared of that. Like you have no idea.
1: Are you, are you seriously scared? Yeah. But like, okay, honestly, you've been doing this for nine years, so you already know what works. You know, what I, mean? It's kind just, of, yeah. I mean, I mean, I do hear a lot of the, the really experienced comics saying there's no such thing as a foolproof joke. That's true. But I think there is such a thing as a foolproof. I think there's a way to you,
0: you know how to approach an audience. Like uh, you know what you what has to lead to the jokes. Um, like, I did have one table at one show that was not there at all for the show, but the rest of the show uh, was there, the rest of the people were there, and I managed to shut them up once or twice. So I was like, oh. And
1: also, the, the place doesn't work, because uh, Waco, which is where we're having the show on Friday, this is kind of like the stand-up place right now in Mexico City, and Waco is built in a way that is, you know, it's a very long, very narrow yeah. place. So you'll have, like, Twelve rows of six chairs, you know, yeah. set, set up on tables and whatever, and little you know, those long tables. And the problem with that is that if you don't get the first two tables, then the people at the back, they're gonna be looking at those people not laughing.
0: And they're gonna mm, think, yeah.
1: Oh, this is a bad show. I better not laugh. Like it, it's happened yeah, to me. Although even. I've
0: hap- I've happened I've had uh, the the thing where like the, the front rows aren't there for it at all, but then the back people are laughing, and at one point I'm just like ignoring the front rows. I'm like the people in the back are having a good time, so you guys can just stay here and stare at me for half an hour longer. Uh, but anyway, uh, so yeah.
1: So yeah.
0: Shows. What but are any- we
1: going to talk about today?
0: Today, uh, well, first of all, what's our Mexican stereotype for the day?
1: Our Mexican stereotype for today is spicy food. Now, if you've ever been to a Mexican restaurant in the States or in the UK or wherever, this is kind of like the first experience that you expect. You know, it's like, oh, it's going to be so spicy. Like, yes. why is it so hot? Like, why do they have to put so <laughs> much in it? Like, <laughs> and that is a question. Why do we like spicy food so much here? Because we do, by the way. The stories are true. It's not like, you know, why do Japanese people like rice so much? They actually do enjoy rice that yes. much. And,
0: and we do like our spicy food. Yeah, Why? Uh, I've heard that it's a thing. Uh, it's a it's a common thing that the closer to the equator, the the spicier a food is, and apparently it's also a thing where um, spicy spiciness, especially for lower class, it helps hide certain flavors. Like when the food starts to turn,
1: like the flavor of poverty.
0: Yes, yes. As horrible as that sounds, but but
1: it seems to be true.
0: Really. Um, but also the thing is, uh, like chilies don't grow uh, after a certain point, just earthwise. True. Uh, so where we get chilies, people go like, "What is this thing? I'll eat it," and then they cry and they're like, "This is great."
1: Yeah, but it's not, I think I think it's a more like less geographical, more cultural, because like you know half of my family come from Spain, and you do get a lot of you know chili peppers in Spain. Like they do, they do grow there, and they and don't. And they, I mean, they, they use them, but they definitely don't overuse them. They don't like, here's the thing with Mexican people. And even if, even if the food is really high quality, I've often been bewildered. It's bewildering to me because I don't come from a Mexican family, but I grew up in Mexico and like, for example, a torta. A torta, which is a traditional Mexico City sandwich, you know. It's got all these fantastic ingredients. It's got, like, avocado and tomato and beans and some kind of beef or something to fill it with. And, you know, mayonnaise and, like, all this wonderful combination of cheese. And cheese
0: and you can have all kinds of meats and whatever. So
1: many things. And then they take that torta and they drown it in chipotle sauce or whatever. And then you can only taste the chipotle. And it's bewildering to me because, like, yeah. you're paying for a torta with some really nice fresh ingredients and you, you're not tasting any of them.
0: Yeah, that's, actually, that's the thing why a lot of people don't um, like uh, hot food because, in the end, like, if you have one bite of something really spicy, you won't be able to taste anything but the spice. Uh, which is why, you know, when you're looking for the subtlety of flavors and whatever, you're not really looking to bite into a whole chili. Um,
1: or are you? <laughs> no, it's, no, we, we don't And, and that's do, uh, do you enjoy spicy food? I love spicy food God, I love it But I love spicy food When it's supposed to be spicy Like, I don't know Like if you have some uh, chilaquiles Like they're supposed yes. to be drowned in sauce It's a spicy dish And if you think about it The chilaquiles have Very mild flavours to go with it So the cheese is mild The cream is mild The chicken is mild yeah. Like everything else is mild The beans are mild So they're supposed to be overtaken By the, the flavour of the sauce but then some other things, you know, like these people who will go and they'll order something at a restaurant. And the restaurant will give you these, you know, like pickled jalapenos and, yes. and carrots and onions and things. And it'll be so spicy. And they'll just, you know, spoon them in. Yeah. And it's just like, what are you doing? Like, are you and we even do that to
0: other food. Like, it's amazing how now we have sushi here in Mexico City that it's just like, and we'll have some chipotle sauce on it. And you you won't be able to taste anything but... That's true. And, yeah, or oh, the soy sauce with the jalapenos in it. That's so like you quite could good. I like I, that. I, I mean, I'm okay with it. But like once you drown your sushi in that sauce, that's all you're tasting. You're not
1: the sushi, and sushi is expensive. Yes, especially good sushi. It's expensive, and you don't. You, you want and sushi is actually. I don't really like fish, but sushi has this really subtle flavor. Like because it's raw. So salmon and tuna, when they're raw, they don't taste so much as salmon and tuna. So. You're supposed to taste the fish. Otherwise, why are you paying for that? Yeah. And then I, I just I just wonder, like, what are you doing? Like, Although
0: now... And the, the thing, because it's a different kind of spice, because with sushi, sometimes you do get the wasabi paste, which is usually fake wasabi paste, because true wasabi is really expensive. But, um, but even the wasabi, like, it might be really spicy, but it won't stay with you the way Mexican hot sauces stay with you. And I do have friends, at least three, who just love the spiciest food like they will they will go and ask for the spiciest wings and they will
1: oh the wings the wing! oh my god if we wipe out every single you know hot wing restaurant here in Mexico I'll be happy <laughs> my brother-in-law he's like that and he's a very he's a, he's a representation of Mexico in general spicy food in Mexico for many people is an exercise in masochism because it's just like my brother-in-law he'll go to, to wings restaurant and I'll get like the mild things or whatever And he just goes for the, you know, he asks the waitress, what's the spiciest stuff you've got? And she's got like, oh, the atomic bomb, you know, because, you know, hot sauce, Hiroshima, why not draw, (laughs) why why not link those two things? You know, because it's always something nuclear, you know, the nuclear, like... Like fallout and, you know, like radiation. Like It's just like, oh, yeah, would you like to have our Oppenheimer wings, you know? You
0: get the wings and a photo of the children born after the atomic bomb. Right? It's
1: like, this is why our wings are so big. Our chicken have three of them. no. But it's just, yeah, it's, and, and he orders these things, and he begins to cry almost immediately. He tastes one, and you can tell his mouth is on fire, and he's sweating, and he's, he's you know, he's, he's a fairly attractive guy, my, my brother-in-law, but not when he does that. And I see my sister just eyeing him, you know, giving him the side eye, like... <laughs> If ever I need to divorce you, I just need you to have this first, you know. Because I'm I need a photo of this. Oh God, yeah, I'm, I'm going to. Um, yeah, but that's what I thing.
0: Like it's a very uh, macho thing to be doing. Like, oh, I can take all the spice. Uh, in fact, I with some of my straight friends, it's this thing where they will go uh to the wings restaurant and they order the like the spiciest wings and they'll be like oh, i bet you can't have one of these wings i'm like i'm fine with not eating your <laughs> i mean in the end i mean the reason why they taste hot is because that's the fruit telling you don't eat me
1: <laughs> no i don't think it is it's just i mean Here's a, and that's funny. That's funny that they think that the gays can't handle the the, the chili because little. This, this is this is what I'm going to call my because I'm a linguist. It's mm-hmm. going to be my linguistic section, which is, chili is a euphemism in Mexican Spanish for penis. So, how much chili can you take? Is genuinely a thing that people ask each other as a as a double entendre. Like, oh, mm. we're so clever. Yeah. Oh. but then yeah. So they combine the three beautiful things. You know, it's just spicy food gay sex and the atomic bomb you know it's just these things that really go together it's just it's it's a nice combination I don't know if it's a macho thing I mean not in the case of I know so many people who really are not machos and they'll still enjoy the pain they enjoy the pain They, they clearly like to suffer and I'm like you're not having fun like stop Exactly, you know, join and these.
0: you're not having fun now you're not going to have fun later my sister's
1: definitely not going to have fun afterwards you know <laughs> it's, it's something I, I, I don't like to think about too much but Jesus <laughs> like, can you imagine can you imagine my day if you ever hear this I love you
0: <laughs> and on that note that was our Mexican stereotype for the day
1: yay arriba yeah Spicy food. Mexicano. Yeah.
0: Remember, you can. Uh, oh, by the way, we sometimes forget to mention our social media. It's at Mexicans Pod on Twitter, and if you look for Mexicans Podcast on Facebook, you're gonna find us too. Uh, we're now on Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes. So listen to us wherever. And yeah, message us. Tell us stuff. Tell us what you want us want us to talk
1: about. We're gonna ignore you, but you can tell us. Do you Do you like us? Do you think it's even worth it that we're doing this? Like, should we even bother? You know, is this a, Do we think we're too interesting just because we're Mexican and that's not special to you? And, you know, it's not special enough. Like, But are you just Mexican? Or are you just like criminal Mexican? Because that'll be more interesting. You know? like How many people have you oh, killed?
0: Oh, you know. I haven't to this day that I know of killed anyone. How about you? I'd
1: I'd like to, you know, even though this is in Mexico, I'd like to invoke the fifth.
0: (laughs) So anyway, on to the main course. I will say this, and it's fine. On to the main course. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about RuPaul's Drag Race.
1: Yay. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> why are we even doing this? <laughs> Should we just stop? <laughs> why do we, should we just Should we just just stop? Well, we're start?
0: talking about this cuz I uh I suggested the the theme and you didn't say no. No,
1: no. no I mean, why did you suggest it, is my I suggested
0: it because I think that I mean RuPaul's Drag Race is now pretty much a worldwide you know anyone looking at a television people watching RuPaul's Drag Race talking about RuPaul's Drag Race even straight people like a lot of the memes online a lot of the reactions online like animated gifs and stuff come from RuPaul's Drag Race Um, straight people are learning more about drag thanks to RuPaul's Drag Race even if it's just like wow Valentina (laughs) looks really good
1: Um. (laughs) I just rolled my eyes so hard I could see my frontal lobe (laughs) And it's beautiful.
0: Luisa Augusto does not stand, Valentina. I
1: cannot take.
0: That. I... I, just, I cannot take her. I
1: just, I simply can't. I Mexican can't. I just, <laughs> just Mexican not with that one. But yeah. So, uh,
0: so that's why I wanted to talk about her, and also I'm also going to totally use them, use RuPaul's Drag Race to uh, as an excuse to talk about Mexican drag, because uh, we had before RuPaul's Drag Race, and thanks to RuPaul's Drag Race, that's the other thing. RuPaul gave a lot of drag queens the opportunity to make a living out of their art form. Before RuPaul's drag race, drag was very um was very much in the in the fringes. Like it was it was niche, definitely. Exactly. And and RuPaul's drag race now you know it, it brought These drag queens to uh, to the living room of a lot of people, and now they want to see their drag shows. Uh, Trixie Mattel was saying the other day that when she goes to uh, when she when she brings her show to the UK, that most of the people that go to the show aren't gay men, but like grown straight women, like grown
1: straight women, (laughs)
0: like
1: sad old straight
0: women. I didn't say that.
1: Well, you implied
0: it. Yeah, but I but it was implied. But anyway, and you know, like you, and then, then like there's really cute like older ladies are like, oh my god, we love your show, and she's like, it's cool. Where's the gay bars? Yeah. Um. So that's why I wanted to talk about RuPaul's Drag Race. How did you? Wh- how did you start watching RuPaul's Drag Race?
1: Oh my god, I wanted to tell you this. Um, here's the thing, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna come out and say it because you know, I've never been afraid of being a right cunt. And and I don't plan on starting now. No, um, here's the thing. I knew of Drag Race since... uh, Probably since season two or season three. I used to have this boyfriend who really loved it. And I used to look down on everything he liked because... I don't know. Like I just, it, it didn't. I, I didn't really. Yeah, because of a Yeah, because I was a. Because oh, you, no, Mexico couldn't. Because I, I just Mexico couldn't be bothered. You bothered, you know? <laughs> it's just not. But um, no. It's, he was like, ah, oh, drag race, you I have to see this and so on. And I just, I didn't think that drag race, or I didn't think that drag would be interesting enough. To make a show out of, I'd seen drag shows, I you know I'd been to drag shows here in Mexico, and I, I I it was you know it was quite fun, but I just didn't think it would be interesting. And I'm not much of a reality TV person myself. Like I just the, the scripting and the thing it, it just bores me a little bit. I just I I'd much rather have you know watch some fiction or whatever. But um so yeah, <coughs> I sort of ignored its existence for a while, and I heard people talk about it. And then one day I'm sitting with my best friend at his flat, and he goes, oh my God, the new season drag race, and stuff like that. And I'm like, I've, I've never seen it. I've never, ever seen it. And he, look, I've never hung out with a Jehovah's Witness, <laughs> but I like to think they get that look in their eyes. Like, my, my friend just looked at me and said, you must be saved. Like, <laughs> I really have to save you. I have to show you this. Yeah. So he literally began, he literally began a conversion into Drag Race. So, and he was very clever about it because he didn't start me off with the weirder seasons. He goes, You know what season we're going to watch? We're going to watch season five. And in season five, you have the, you know, probably, it was probably the, the most star studded season. Like, you had uh, your Alaska, uh, Detox, Roxy, um, Alyssa Edwards, whom I love now, um, what's her enemy's name? Um, Coco Montrese. Uh, you know, I had all these all these drag queens that really became famous I started watching and then by episode 5 I was like she's wearing that dress like, <laughs> it just happened I never thought it would be so interesting because I've never I've, I've never been even though I, I love queer culture and I love it and I, I think it has to be cure, you know, curated and saved and, and you yeah. know, uh, spread I just never knew it would be so deep there is also the scripted element which I'll be honest I could take or leave like yeah, I could have Drag Race just be about the drag and less about the drama, more like a um, Project Runway, for example. Is they don't really focus that much. Yeah, no, on I mean, Project Runway, Runway. Runway
0: does have a little bit, a little. But but the storylines On RuPaul's Drag Race uh, You can tell And also you can tell The Queen Especially nowadays I don't know if you've seen The, the first episode of uh, season 11 Yes The
1: first one. uh
0: You can tell And of course Of course now With 11 seasons The Queens go there And they've seen What works for other people And they've seen What makes people Want to follow you On social media yeah. And follow your career uh, But I think season 5 Was was uh, near Like Early mm-hmm. enough that the queens weren't that uh, uh, self-aware,
1: maybe. Or yeah, well,
0: you yeah. know, they wanted to do. They, they knew they wanted to do good on the show, and that they didn't. They didn't have to like come like personality, be forces of personality from episode one. Uh, like uh, this girl in season eleven. Oh um, my
1: God, what's her name? The fat. one um, yeah. I'm not being offensive. Hey, just, Hazel, she's a, something like hazelnut. Uh, is it offensive uh, to say fat? It's not, right? She's fat. She's fat. She's, she's, fat. Fat. she's, a,
0: she's, she's a fat queen. She's, she's a heavy uh, queen. I don't think she's, she's
1: worth less as a human being for being fat. I do think no, she's worth less as, I, human, I as think, a human I being. I don't think I she cares. But an it, 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 it,
0: What? It, her her it, her name is a food item. Uh, it's like uh it's not mousse it's a fancy food item i forget right now creme <laughs>
1: brulee or something like that. <laughs> i don't know what it is but yeah i, I know who you're talking about
0: it's just up. uh but like you could tell when she she went in and she knows she has to have the cameras on her and she and she and she wanted to be big and season 5 wasn't that yet they were they were more concerned on their own on like winning the race and not so much on uh, having you know, winning "quote unquote" fans from episode silky one. Silky
1: ganache.
0: Silky ganache. silky Ganache
1: yes. ganache maybe it's not a fancy food, it's but not it really sounds fancy. fancy. It's, it's not really cream
0: like... and chocolate. Yeah, but it
1: sounds. But it can fudge. be.
0: It can. It, but it can have really good chocolate. It can be fancy.
1: Ganache.
0: Ganache can have.
1: Yeah, you can have like
0: really expensive it's ganache. Fudge because...
1: for cunts. Like, <laughs> if a cunt wants fudge, then order ganache. Fuck! Uh, I have a lot of feelings about food, and that's one of them. So no, yeah. Okay. And the thing is that you have, you get all these other queens going, like she's just hogging all the attention. Like they're they're aware of it. So it's it was a very lackluster start of a season for me because of that. But when I got started, when I got my first fix of RuPaul, I thought it was brilliant. I thought yeah, and you had some really talented queens that season. So yes, totally. Wasn't, it wasn't boring. There was drama. There was. I think it was the best storyline. If you Yeah, the storyline was a storyline. The best one so far was um, Jinx Monsoon winning against every odd. Yes. And she was the outcast, and she was weird, and she was clever, and she was funny, but she had no friends. And she was going against this clique of mean girl type. Totally. You know, especially like Roxy Andrews in Alaska, they were like super shady. Detox was kind of like a bit more neutral, but still was kind of a cunt. And then she... Went up against them and she won. Nobody expected her to win and she won. And I remember when she won, I was so thrilled. I was rooting for her from the beginning, but I was so thrilled. She was so funny to this day. The best snatch game performance. Snatch game. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't know, uh, you know. If you don't know RuPaul's, RuPaul's Drag Race, like, I'm sorry because. Why really are you luck. listening to two yeah. gay men talk on a podcast? No, but um, Snatch Game is probably the the most iconic uh, challenge in RuPaul's Drag Race, which is the um, they they impersonate a celebrity and they play this kind of old timey parody game show. And they have to choose a celebrity and they have to impersonate them and they have to do it really well and it has to be funny. It's yes. a comedy challenge. And uh, James Monsoon chose this really obscure kind of character yes. that nobody really saw. Little, little Lady from little Grey, lady. Grey Gardens. Yes. I mean, she was so funny.
0: That's the thing. Even if you didn't know Little Lady, which I didn't, uh, she was so funny and she knew how to make. And that's the other thing. Uh, in you might complain a lot of uh, a lot about the show, several things, but RuPaul is. Very smart. So whenever I see a queen making RuPaul laugh, I'm like, also you know, you know what you're doing. He's the one who chooses, who wins, and who loses. You're, he's the one you should be making laugh. Yeah. But yeah, that was indeed one of the one of the best uh, snatch game, if not again the best. The shade on Marilyn Monroe, who was
1: oh was yeah like and she just turns and says like quite because uh, RuPaul sometimes RuPaul will go up to the queens during the snatch game and he will literally lob them these really easy jokes mm-hmm. that they can make so um, there was something about politics and he approaches um, who was it that was doing Marilyn it was the, the cute guy um, I forget uh, Ivy Winters Ivy Winters was doing uh, Marilyn Monroe and RuPaul goes Marilyn you've, you've been in contact with politics or something like that and she was like what me what no and i was like yeah like kennedy and so on and then uh jinx Monsoon just picks it up and she goes quite a scandal actually, <laughs> with my cousin-in-law
0: really
1: and just so good yeah so no funny.
0: it was it was amazing um so and for me it was Kind of similar. Uh, I also I I've known about RuPaul's Drag Race and I I love reality shows. Like I will watch a reality show competition uh, at least like I give it a couple of, a couple of episodes because you know Top Chef, Project Runway. Um, there was a Top Chef Does Desserts which I loved, but and mostly like cooking shows. And when I saw I saw it, it was like in the in my periphery, but I wasn't really like interested because I thought it was going to be a very pageanty show. Like a very, like very much about pageant queens and about like looking what like they, they call in the shows the fishy like more like, uh, more like a, like a, like a cis woman and everything and I, and I, and I just wasn't interested in that. But then I got Netflix. And then I got a lot of work to do. I had a lot of work to do. I told to myself, I need something that lets me procrastinate for a long time so I don't do this work.
1: Very good, yes.
0: And so I went on Netflix and I saw that they had six seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race. And I'm like, this is it. This is it. Because I had just finished the two seasons they have of Project Runway. And so I started with season two, actually. Which is, uh, which was the first season. Now they have season one, but, uh, and I was hooked from episode one, actually. Cause I was completely wrong. It was about every performer doing their own thing. And season two is Roger. No, that's season two. It's Roger three. It's, Ra- it's Ra- Raven. Two. Uh, the, the actual winner is, uh, what's her face? I'm just horrible with names people oh my god uh, no, everybody hated her too it wasn't too,
1: so they, unique no it was uh, it was one word I think it was one word yeah
0: it was something with a T I, uh, I don't remember uh, but everybody hated her too yeah. uh, with reason in this in, in, in this case and now she like the thing is Ra- the, the thing is for that season usually Raven gets to go undo stuff because like she got into like a big fallout with RuPaul and the name will come to the people I swear uh, but like I started binging all these seasons, and for me it was just amazing to see all these kinds of different performers and the comedy queens. The moment I got, the moment I got to uh, like Rajan's isn't Like the winner is rarely one of the queens that is just about the looks, because the challenges are never just about the looks. The challenges are about being funny. The challenges are about being smart. The challenges are about uh you know being a a complete uh media person just like Rupaul who can host a show who can act who can do a stand up comedy routine who singing
1: can... dancing like there's exactly. so much there's so much that goes into it and here's another thing you know it's just and i I was having a discussion on Twitter the other day because you know sometimes you just want to like waste a massive amount of time so you just get into a twitter discussion and um, this guy who I follow He was saying like I think season 11 is rubbish I hate it But I'm still going to watch it Because There's no representation Like RuPaul's Drag Race And I really think there isn't Like, for, Totally Yeah for Gay culture and LGBTQ culture You know It's just You can't You can't get You can't get It doesn't get any better than that You know Because it's a celebration of it It's very positive generally um, You yeah. know Like sometimes Like I don't know, like, the, the, there's been some controversies. Like, I remember, like, uh, uh, RuPaul used to say, when you got the, the Tyra male of the, of the show used to be, you got she-male. Yeah. Which was, you know, people were Ty- like, that's transphobic. And, Tyra. Tyra,
0: thank That's you. the. That's
1: the... Yeah, that's, there you go. Full circle. There yes. you go. And people were like, oh, that's transphobic, that's transphobic. And the thing is, I mean, and that's something that I, I think is a bit of a waste because gay culture... Especially the underground drag, you know, f- from from whence drag comes from. It's, it's very politically incorrect. Like, it's very politically yeah. incorrect. Historically, slurs have been thrown. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying it's happened. It's been a part of it.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, uh, RuPaul is 60 years old or something uh, RuPaul like lived through it all so RuPaul got the slurs thrown at him and then he reappropriated them and then he threw them back uh, and I, I I mean yeah the main issue with a lot of people in RuPaul's right race has been with the trans uh, community yeah. because yeah she <laughs> is a slur for trans people and there, it is questionable like, how much a gay man can reappropriate a slur that is not really for him um, but
1: see, that's recent. I think. That
0: yeah, this that, is that's just, more recent. This uh, is my, this is but my. also, for example, there was peppermint and Gia, yeah, we, we, Gia. you know, and then another thing where RuPaul said that they weren't going to have trans women on the show, and and Ru and there were like the, all the whole controversy around. And then, on the one hand, uh, I'm totally in support of uh, trans people here. I do I do think that RuPaul needs to, uh, like, maybe talk to more. And, and I'm pretty sure he's talking to a lot of trans people too, but. Uh, maybe realize that they may have a point, but also I, I see RuPaul and I, and I, and I realized that, you know, RuPaul started with a very gender fuck drag. RuPaul, uh, RuPaul came from, like you mentioned, this culture of I don't give a fuck. And since I don't give a fuck, you can't hurt me. Uh, and he came
1: from a culture where, like, drag queens would be called shemales as well. This is yeah, not something totally. random that, it, and this is the thing that it's just, I'm not saying it's bad or good or bad, but it's I'm, I'm thinking about this a lot lately. You know, the whole idea of like how um, you get these trans people who say we don't want uh, gay allies. We don't want you. Step away from our fight. And I'm like, fine, I'm not going to get into anyone's fight. If, they, if they're telling me, like, don't don't be an ally right now, it's like I don't have to be an ally Loudly, I can be an ally quietly if that's if that makes you more comfortable, which is kind of what we're going for, you know, it's respecting people's boundaries and respecting people's, you know. But then you get this thing of like the trans, gay, drag queen cross dressing uh, lines are really recent. Yes. Uh, you know, throughout the. 1920s and 30s and 40s and 50s and so on it was pretty much the same thing they were all grouped together and even though they may have known there there may have been like observable differences if you looked close enough because society was pushing these people to the you know to the edges and to the fringes then they became allies more as a rallying against an enemy kind of thing so for me to say oh we have to be uh, mindful of trans people, I absolutely support that. But I also have to understand that, for many people, especially generationally speaking, RuPaul being someone who comes from a different generation, maybe it's not so clear. Maybe it's not so clear for someone of RuPaul's totally.
0: Generation. And I and I and I think RuPaul, the, like uh, he has this thing where. You see, when when like a lot of drag queens have their drag name and their you know they're out of drag name they they and RuPaul like the lines for RuPaul have been very uh, blurred also in that aspect, and and RuPaul I don't think RuPaul is the one person that thinks uh, gender in a binary, but I also think that RuPaul doesn't you know doesn't concern himself with you know. If people are gonna call him a woman, he's not gonna feel any less because of that. Uh, he's not gonna. He, I, I don't think. Like, the, the, I don't think you can misgender RuPaul. That's the thing. That's
1: exactly right. Yeah.
0: And for someone who can be misgendered, that that is a very foreign thing and a very like weird thing to see and understand. And and especially when you're telling that people, well, I can be misgendered and I do care about being misgendered because it comes with all these other problems. Uh, but also to take into account that it's not like, like, uh, as much as people say like, well, RuPaul, uh, is doing all these things and he has this privilege. RuPaul also comes from a very rough background. He was, you know, he, he, he built himself from the, all the way down as a black gay man in, in, in America. And now he has built this huge empire. And, you know, that's both, you know, that's inspiring and that's great. And Jan, maybe, Uh, maybe we're throwing rocks at the wrong window. That's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, well, the thing is, when you become successful at something, to a degree, you know, that's where the whole idea of selling out comes from. If you've become successful, it means you've started to please the mainstream. And if you've started to please the mainstream, then you're no longer part of the fringe. And if you're no longer part of the fringe, it's a lot easier to label you as an enemy or to label you as inappropriate or politically incorrect. Like, I don't think... The question of whether or not it was okay to use the, the word um, she-male amongst LGBTQI people, um, la- you know, throughout the last, I don't know, probably up until maybe 15 years ago. Probably that wasn't even a question. Drag queens were being called she all the time. They were vulnerable because of that. They were victims because of that. They, you know, they the, the struggle...
0: And they also found an empowering empowerment through okay. taking those words.
1: Yeah, and I'm not going to say it's the same thing to be no. uh, t- a cross-dresser than transgender. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that they became part of the same community. I mean, there is a reason why we say LGBTQ. Uh, and there
0: was this, a, there's a thing... Uh, uh, the uh, Sykes is a great uh, joke about that. that it uh, And... Uh, counterpoints in her in her latest uh video also uh mentions it. It's like, you know, it's all cool when you're reappropriating slurs and your friends and you're like going ha ha ha, but then when the straight people are looking, when the straight people are looking at you, then all of a sudden you go and like, oh damn it, if I do this now I'm gonna have to explain to them why they can't. Do it, and they're going to be bitchy about it. Like, why can RuPaul say shima and not me?
1: And then there's a the thing: if you use this language, or, you, or if you, you know, if you, if you use these slurs, if you want to call them that way, um, and then straight people use them out of admiration, empathy, willing, willingness to belong, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Some people will say it's appropriation. I think. To my mind it's a bit more complicated than that because in the end don't you, aren't we all appropriating things all the time that we admire? If we insert ourselves into a community that has their own language and has their own way of saying things and way of speaking, a way of expressing ideas and way of addressing issues, won't that rub off? Isn't that after all, like culturally, linguistically even, what we're programmed to do? Yeah. When you have empathy... Like, this this is actually a, a, an observable phenomenon. It happens in linguistics all the time. There are some people that are so empathetic that when they hear an accent, they will naturally start to imitate it. And they feel very self-conscious. It's like, oh, they think I, they're going to think I'm mocking them. And no, they're not. It's just something they can't control. So it'll happen to me, like, sometimes if I'm talking to a friend of mine who's from Ireland... I'm going to start imitating the accents. It's just—it just happens because I think it sounds cool, and I think it's—and I think it would be unfair for this person to be mad at me. It's like you're appropriating my accents. Like I'm not appropriating anything. It's just—it happens out of empathy as well. Yeah. So where do you draw the line?
0: That—that—that's that's a really. I mean, on the one hand, I like what you say about the whole thing coming in the mainstream. Because the drag... Like, thanks to RuPaul's Drag Race, the drag is in the mainstream. And again, you know, it, uh, people know it. People know drag queens. People are more willing to go to drag shows to pay good money to go... It, it, again, it, it gave a career to a lot of people. Not, even, not only the people who are in RuPaul's Drag Race, but people who just do drag. It gave them... A chance, and now, you know, like, here in Mexico, there's like, you can, places where you can go have a how to be a drag queen class, which is, Absolutely. which is a really weird, uh, thing to be having. Um, and, but, but I do think that the thing, the thing with appropriation is, it's, it's, n- like, it's cool that you're using the drag thing, and it's cool in a way. That we're becoming more mainstream as a queer people because you know the more people the more people are used to you they less the less they're afraid of you and the less they're afraid of you the less they care about you having equal rights to everyone else so that's cool uh, and I but I also see the other side when people are complaining which is like well yeah but then uh, the people that get the the better parts and get the better shows for emulating the drag show, like. And we're going to talk about Mexican drag a little bit more in a second. But, like, for example, when I I hear uh, names being thrown for a drag race jury here in Mexico, it's not drag queens. It's Mexican people who were never associated to drag, but have but now have mentioned, oh, I love RuPaul's Drag Race. And, you know, they, they know one or two phrases from the show. And now they're like, ooh, you could be... And no, they don't know anything about drag. Like, they didn't know anything about drag... Before you and I did, it's no, it's, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. I
1: wouldn't be I, if if they offered me. Like, would you like be a judge, a judge at a drag? She's like, why me? Exactly. Like, it's Can like, I please be there? Yes. First row, loving every second. Exactly. Of it. But yeah, like yeah, it's 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 a very it's a very complicated thing because it's like from admiration comes um, emulation emulation and also comes aspiration. Like yeah. you admire something and therefore you want to be that. And yeah. that, it's happened to me too. Like I'm. My personality is not really a drag kind of personality. I'm usually fairly, you know, I keep to myself, you know, you know how they describe serial killers, you know, like, <laughs> he was very polite. He kept to himself, you know, yeah. after if, if at
0: some point we start making podcasts, come to Luis Bustos' house, please look for me.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's where I had the body. No, but yeah, like I didn't have that. And then. I see these drag queens, Mexican drag queens and and American drag queens on on, on Drag Race, and I'm like, I admire that so much. I I don't think I could ever have the confidence or the such larger-than-life personality. Like, even my stand-up, which is supposed to be an exaggeration of your personality, is usually, my stand-up at least, is an exaggeration of the least... um, Interesting, or no, not interesting, but probably the least um, socially likable parts of my personality. So, in my, my stand up, I usually talk about my neuroses and my various traumas and how afraid I am all the time and my anxiety and so on. And to take that and turn it into something so beautiful and so exuberant, I could never do that. So, from that admiration, it would you know, the desire to emulate would. Come. So if someone were to say, to say to me, if I ever try drag, which I really want to do with you. Yes. Um, if I ever try proper drag, if someone were to tell me, oh, you just, you know, um, jumping on the bandwagon, just following the sheep and so on. I'd be like, well, yeah, of course I am. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with seeing something new and saying, I like that now? Oh, but did you like it 10 years ago? No. But that's the yeah. beautiful thing about humanity. We get to like new things. So it's just, I don't know, I have mixed feelings about the whole thing. But I, I, I wouldn't crucify RuPaul for using the shemale um, slur when he used it as he used it. The thing you're hearing right now is the tamales salesperson right on time in the middle of recording.
0: And in the minute, middle of a great thing you were saying, too, that like I could hear him coming. I'm like, no.
1: It's yeah. fine. We can just leave it in. It's fine.
0: Right? Well, we're gonna live. live it's actually live very in.
1: faint. Do, have you? Have you?
0: Yeah, it 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 picks but it the up. The
1: thing is, it was just he was just coming on. Like we're just gonna wait for him to pass. Now he's louder. See, yeah. Animals in general, or children? Like I just don't think I, I group <laughs> them in the same thing. I group them the same thing it's just.
0: Okay.
1: Would it be funny when you edit this? Just start again with. I just don't think children. Are, I just, I just, I just I can't just be bothered. Don't think I it. just can't <laughs> be bothered, Really, I mean, in new to you, children. I'm honestly. pretty sure
0: you mentioned you not you don't care for children. In the I Last episode, I don't care for children. I don't
1: care for children.
0: That's okay. fine. Let's have a moment of silence and then we'll, so um, crucified for what he said. Um, I agree that he shouldn't be crucified for what he said. Totally, um, but I and on the one hand, I, I do on the one hand. I do find it really good that these conversations are happening and that queer culture one thing I love that RuPaul said is like people were complaining that you're taking the this queer culture and like taking out of, taking it out of the french and bringing it to the mainstream and what RuPaul uh, answered is like what you don't get is that we as queer people, we're always going to be coming up with the new things. We are the ones that come up with the new things, and then we take them to the mainstream, and then they buy it, and then we get bored with that, and then we make something new. We're like we,
1: the weirdos, the queers, everything. We are the ones that are going to come up with a new idea later on. I think it's just, uh, and this is this is actually something that I've, I've thought about a lot lately. I think that there is there is such a thing as a you know a. Valuing the struggle Too much A struggle is not something you should look forward to A struggle is not something you should want You shouldn't want people to kick you out Of the mainstream You shouldn't want people to Not give you representation But it's kind of romantic Mm -hmm. It's kind of romantic to be one of the bohemians and one of the outcasts. Like, it's got, you know, people, you know, poets have written about it. It's just like the underbelly of society. And people think that in order to be a source of creativity and in order to be a source of innovation, you have to be that. And if you think that way, then you might feel threatened by the fact that drag is becoming mainstream and LGBTQI culture is becoming mainstream. The thing is, creativity doesn't work that way. And history has proven it time and time and time again. I mean, people from the fringes have written, you know, you got, uh, I don't know, you got, in literature if you want, you know, you got your um, Virginia Wolves and your Sylvia Plaths writing from this, you know, denial of their mental health and denial of, you know, under this terrible oppression from, you know, from men, essentially, from their time. And you also, at the same time, had people... Who were very much in the mainstream, who still produced *The Old Man and the Sea* and who still wrote um, *The Three Musketeers* and *War and Peace*? These were men in the middle of the mainstream, and they still produced masterpieces of creativity. So it's not like you're going to run out of things to say just because people are not throwing stones at you. But I think some people see the struggle as currency, okay? You, and that's and those are the same people that sometimes I feel they want to, they, they fear that they're being robbed of their struggle. It's like, no one's robbing you of the struggle. God, I wish struggle could be moved that way. Like, a curse of oh, let me take some struggle from you. Take a break. It's fine. You know, it's, I don't think that's how it Yeah, the, the,
0: there's a lot of romanticizing. And I think we're going to save this. We're going to save talking about the struggle to another episode.
1: Oh, yeah, that would be one hell of an episode.
0: Yeah, so uh, now we're going to move forward to people uh this is a thing that i don't know if i invented it but i tweeted it so i'm going <laughs> to i'm going to pretend i invented it but yes
1: it, take credit
0: it's the martin leon law for characters in series or something like that that was very wordy uh, so this is the martin leon triad in every movie or series there are three characters one the character you want to be two the character you think you are and three the character you actually are. So yeah. for example, we have uh, I don't know, name name a series right now.
1: Uh let's try God Fraser. I like Fraser. I don't like know that favorite. much about, oh about Fraser. Then you choose one then. Friends. Fine. Fair enough. Okay,
0: my my trifecta for friends is I wanna be Rachel. I think I'm Phoebe, but I'm actually Monica.
1: <laughs> it's all the women. Just the women, just like,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you
1: and friend, oh my god! I or are you going to do
0: this. the Fraser okay, one? Do I it. People to be, will understand Fraser.
1: I think I want to be Phoebe. Mm-hmm. I think I am. I think I am uh, Chandler, but I actually am Ross. Probably, <laughs> like, yeah. So, and now we
0: take this to the topic at hand: RuPaul's Rag Race. Luis Augusto, do you want to go first or should I go first?
1: Uh, why don't you go first and you explain each of the steps, you know, why you think you are and why you're okay.
0: yeah. Uh I want to be Bianca del Río because she's amazing. She is so smart. She is, She doesn't give a fuck. She will, just, she will tear you down with a very good read. Uh, there's a really nice phrase I read from RuPaul, which is like, reading takes a bit of creativity, being a bitch takes none. Uh, and... Bianca is great at that, so I want to be Bianca Del Rio. Uh, also, the, her drag is just so over the top, and you know she's frequently compared to Clown. The use of but yeah, Beautiful. no, and she
1: and she makes her own
0: dresses. She's so talented. She's a seamstress. Yeah, yeah she. I think she worked in Wicked and Broadway. An she,
1: accomplished seamstress. She's not yeah. like oh, I can make a halter top. Like she's, she's no, like, no, 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 no. Have no. you seen this video, guys? If you haven't seen this, just like. Don't stop listening now because we need the ratings right now. But after you're done with this, YouTube—you know—you can just open a tab as you listen. You know, you can multitask. We trust you to that to do that. But there's this. Uh, she has this shtick where she sews a dress in five minutes. Yeah. So no. there'll be music playing in the background. She'll be doing her faces and her little thing, and so on. And she'll iron it. And she'll. Make a beautiful dress, not just a dress, it's a beautiful dress, in five minutes. And she can wear it. It's her size.
0: Yeah, no, she's she's super amazing, super talented. Uh, So that's who I want to be. Who I think I am is Jinx Munsoon, because I also feel like uh, outside, you know, outside the... You know, I feel like I'm not part of the popular girls... I I want to you know I'm not uh narcoleptic but you know I feel like there's things going against me but I feel like at the end I'm going to go come out on top and everything uh and who I actually am uh I'm going to I'm going to have to go with someone who got like kicked out on the kicked out on the first episode. Vanjie. <laughs> Miss Vanji. Miss Vanji. Although she's doing quite the comeback in this season. Well she's
1: I've seen one episode. She did, no, that's she true. did
0: okay. She, she did, did okay. Good. But you know, she, she she's doing well as the like series narrator. She's yeah. like uh and I love her voice. Her voice is very like but so no I don't think I don't I don't think I am actually Miss Vanjie. Um actually I, 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 I could probably be I think I, I, I think I, I I'm probably Shangela in that I, I'm I'm I think I'm way funnier than I'm actually am, and you know, <laughs> but I have a lot of friends that push me forward. Like, yes, you can be in my movie. I don't have any friends that put me in movies yet, but so how about you?
1: Well, uh, I want to be Sasha Valua, yeah, Sasha Valua, winner of season nine. She is unbelievable because she is. First of all, I have this huge crush on her because she's so, like, in boy drag and in girl drag. She's just, uh, I would marry that boy and I would marry that girl just, like, <laughs> easy, easy. Um, but she's also very, so creative and so edited and yes. so understated. She doesn't show off. She lets her work speak for itself. She's so creative and her drag, I think, in my opinion, it's the best drag that there's ever been visually, at least visually and conceptually, the best drag that there's ever been in, 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 drag, in you know, on Drag Race because it's so good, and her looks are amazing. She was the author of what I consider the lip sync that elevated lip syncing to an art form in the finale when she did so emotional. I that was Michelle Collet, right? She was against Shea Kulay,
0: yeah. I, When I saw it, I'm like, imagine being Shea Kule, Like, what do you do after that? What,
1: what she did? She was graceful. Yeah, of Shea was. Yeah. Shea Kulay is made of class. Yeah, 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 So she was so graceful, and they really love each other. Yeah. So she was so happy that Sasha won. But Shea Coulee, she just saw it happening, and she was like, um, it's over. I'm done. And she was very graceful about it. So I, I, I really admire her for that. But yeah, Sasha, every single look of hers is absolutely just, it's poetic. It's poetic. I love her, so I want to be Sasha Valua. I think I am Bianca Del Rio <laughs> because even though you've mentioned all these wonderful things about her. I also think that she's Bianca Del Rio. She's been. She's very guarded. She's a very especially on her season. She was like very. She was very pricky and very. Yeah. Pretty, just she very, was. Tough.
0: She was. She was a tough nut to crack.
1: Yeah, and there was this uh, point when uh, I think it was Adore Delano who comes up to her and says. I think I want to slap you and I want to hug you, like you, because because Bianca was always very empathetic, but she would also put you down at the same time. Like she can't turn it off, she can't turn the sarcasm off.
0: And she's so subtle at it sometimes. Yeah.
1: So. And I feel I'm like that sometimes. I feel I'm, I'm I'm like that. Like I just can't stop being sarcastic, and I can't stop. And sometimes. I, I feel these moments when when Bianca Del Rio shows that she's actually quite vulnerable, she's actually quite sweet and quite caring, and I want. I, I feel like I'm, I'm like that because I am. I, I think of myself as caring, but the sweetness is something I have trouble with because I have to like just pull apart all these mechanisms <laughs> of being guarded. And she's like,
0: "You're just like going layer. I'm going. I'm going. I'm gonna be sensitive. Just give me five minutes. I need to unlock this door. Exactly. That's
1: me. Like I can say it with a hug." But usually I'd much rather say it, say it by calling people cunts. You know, this is just <laughs> what I do. And I think I actually am Thorgy Thor. <laughs> Thorji Thor was, I believe he was season eight. Yeah. Um, he is this, uh, she is this queen from New York. Uh, she's very clownish. She has this really interesting drag but she is also her worst enemy. Like, she clearly, you know, she's up on, you know, up in her head just like, oh, am I, can I do this? Can I not do this? And so she's very insecure, even though she's really good. And she's got, like, she's, she's been on the, you know, she's got the short end of the stick more than once. Like, she thinks that people are going up against her, and they actually are. So I, I do get the paranoia. She's very paranoid as well. So maybe, I think I'm probably her.
0: Okay, okay. Well... And now that you know that, you can you can do your own... You can play with your friends.
1: You can play with your friends, exactly. You Send us to our Twitter your... Um, I want to be... I think I am... I actually am the Martin Leon trifecta <laughs> um, of your favorite TV show. Yeah. Why don't why do we invite people to join the discussion? Please, join the conversation. Yeah, join the conversation. Anyway... Um, All three people listening to this.
0: So this has gone a bit longer than I imagined, but we did want to talk a little bit... About Mexican drag, yes, before we ended. Uh, are you have you been in contact with Mexican
1: drag? I've been in contact know. with Mexican drag. i ha- I can't say I've been like I followed it again. first of all, Mexican drag is still in a, in a very kind of like it's still underground to a yeah. degree. so it's not as easy like and like Mexican
0: standup, we are living under a huge shadow of American uh, performers showing people this is what drag is, or this is what stand-up is, and then them them coming to a show and being kind of angry that we're not...
1: We're not doing it right. We're
0: not doing it the right way. It's like, well, of course we're not. We don't have the same... uh, You know, we're not drawing from the same influences.
1: Exactly. And I think, as with stand-up...
0: I say in English.
1: That's the sweet potato guy! Do you reckon that the tamale guy and the sweet potato guy are just following each other around? I think like, so. Maybe it's a love story.
0: Now I ship them. Maybe
1: it's... Yeah. Now I ship... I'm going to
0: write a little fabric about them.
1: I know. And can you imagine... Because the thing
0: is, the thing is they love each other, but can't really be together because, you know, you're really the only one... Yes, one. they
1: can. Got, you get your lunch and you get your dessert. Like, I'm it's just... true. Sure what? Anyway... You know, it's the easiest conversation they'll love has like what are we gonna have for dinner? <laughs> it's so easy. But there's no argument with them, you know? it's just like do you want green or red today? <laughs>
0: anyway. So you were saying about Mexican Drag.
1: No. I wasn't because there's a, you know you know what I think we should stop editing these things out this is Mexico <laughs> this is Mexico people just making these ungodly noises when they whenever they want to sell and by the way <laughs> by the fucking way have you ever actually said oh that whistle I must go down and have a boiled sweet potato have you ever has, have you ever done that
0: Martín never, never, I've, I've never done it but I have friends who've done it
1: well somebody must be doing it it. I've never seen someone though. I've never seen, every you day know,
0: you sh- know what I would totally go for? Like if they had like the fried like in in Acapulco, they had
1: yeah the, like, sweet potato fries.
0: No, 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 They had uh, you know the the plantain, because uh, it's uh, not banana.
1: There he is. Keep going. Like right Just outside keep the window. Going.
0: But like it was like they, they had the Fucking... fried plantain and you they you put it on top uh, condensed milk and whipped cream. And sprinkles, and it was a very diet. It was a fruit. It was that like a salad. Sounds, sounds
1: like we found an explanation for the epidemic and diabetes in Mexico. <laughs> I've, I've never had that, but, but I've never had a sweet potato that. I quite like sweet potatoes when I cook. I've cooked sweet potatoes, but like I've never seen, and I always look out for that because whenever I see one of these these people, by the way, if you haven't been to Mexico City, the people who, who sell sweet potatoes, they're walking around in what is essentially. A cooker with wheels Like it's, yes. a, it's a metal box Filled with burning wood <laughs> And they boil water And they put the sweet potatoes in And that whistle is actually a steam whistle They let off the steam And it makes that sound And it's been going on since I think Early 20th century Maybe even the 19th century Same technique Probably the same health standards And, <laughs> and the thing is I'm just pissed off. This is a thing. It's just it's just bubbling up, much like steam. So, it's just, stop laughing. It's just not... No.
0: Go off, Luis Augusto del Rio.
1: going off. I'm, I'm letting off some steam. So,
0: no, so you already did that, job. Every
1: time... Fuck you. Every time... And they've already blown the same whistle. Right? They can't sell the same thing. I just can tell the same joke. So, anyway, every time I see one of these people in this walking, essentially walking bomb... Uh, <laughs> I'm always wondering, like, who buys from them? Because I've never seen, never, never in my life have I seen someone go, Sir! <laughs> potato, Sweet potato salesman, please, sir, stop! Stop your stop your cart! I must buy eight sweet potatoes because I'm having company in half an hour. I'm entertaining tonight, you see. I just went to buy some condensed milk. I've got my plantains, martillo is coming over, you know, it's just fuck it just whatever I think next
0: next time we should we should we should should buy a sweet potato I was once but it was really weird because my friend's like oh sweet potatoes and she just left and I'm like Oh wow! You're the one that pays for the sweet potato guy to
1: come here. You're the only. You're keeping that market afloat. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck so you. anyway,
0: Mexican drag.
1: Mexican drag, yeah. So Mexican drag is it doesn't get the advertising the advertising that that American American drag gets, and it, you don't you don't really have, or at least not that I know of. Probably there are. I'm just a really ignorant person, but I don't. I've never heard of a Mexican drag star. Like I couldn't name you. Three Mexican drag queens. I could. I I can't. Like I I just I just don't know. I,
0: I could, but, but because I did at one point uh, realize as I was watching, because uh, my one experience before Mexico before RuPaul's Drag Race was one time I was at a at a gay bar and we had three drag queens, but the three were <laughs> uh, uh, doing a impersonation. So we had like uh, of Mexican. Uh, Latin American uh, singers. Uh, So for me that's the other thing, like for me drag was either you were pretending to be, you were either doing uh, an imitation of a character or you were uh, you were doing the pageant thing. Uh, So yeah, but now a good thing actually is that now a lot of Mexican drag queens are getting way more screen time, getting way more followers, they're doing like uh, RuPaul's Drag Race reviews on YouTube. So. Um we, there's a Mexican show on YouTube called La Mas Draga. Uh, and it's not the best production, but at least you do get to see, uh, six really good, uh, drag queens. And actually what I, what I did not like about that show is that the judge, except for one judge, like the, dr- the judges were not drag queens. So we had one, uh, wardrobe girl, one guy who, like, does a little bit of fashion called Johnny Carmona, and Lorena Herrera, who's a singer. Uh, but like, not like, on every episode, they kept on being like, like the main judge Lorena was with Lorena was like, how do you do that? That's really interesting. How do you? Do? And it's like you're supposed to be judging these girls, and you don't know how they do their thing. She like more basic like a tourist, yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, but there's a lot of uh, very good uh, Mexican drag queens. We have Deborah Men, we have Margaretilla, we have uh, the. My, my my name my, my names are uh, Barbara Durango and Cordelia Durango, who are both from the same drag house. Um, and we have the Bora La Grande. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the good, the, I mean, drag names sometimes being that double entendre, it, Mexican drag names. That's
1: actually from the U.S. as well. It's yeah,
0: true. yeah, yeah. But, you know, but also there's a lot of great uh, drag names here in Mexico for that, too. So yeah, we have way a lot, of, and you know, and they are you know showing their Mexican, uh, you know, they 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 saw telenovelas and they saw Mexican movie stars and everything. So that's where they're like drawing inspiration. In fact, in La Mas Draga, they one uh, they do a show where they're doing they have to do um, an impersonation like a drag impersonation of of, of a character, um, and one of them does uh, this really famous. Old grandma from the black and white movie Cecilia Suarez. I forget. No, it was not Cecilia Suarez, but uh, but it was really g- great because she had like this really old timey black dress, really old timey drag, and she had like her whole but like full beard too. It was, <laughs> it was it was it was great. Um,
1: and most Mexican drag queens, at least the, the drag shows I've, I've been to, they're very comedy focused. Like, yes. it's, it's very you know it's just. Um, There are pageants and there are drag races here because the the term drag race was not coined by RuPaul in the sense of the the drag scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's been drag races. I've been to a few of them. But they're very... They're usually... Pageants are not really that common. It's mostly shows and and comedy and and lip-syncing and uh, celebrity impersonations. Yes.
0: and also we have a stand-up comedian with his drag, Hugo Blanquette. Yes. Uh, and he recently did, uh, he was in Comedy Central Latin America, in full, in full drag, drag yes. which was... Uh, what's, his, first, what's his drag name? Uh, Diamond LeBlanc.
1: Diamond LeBlanc, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh,
0: and it's cool, he's now starting to do a show where he starts in full drag and then he starts taking it off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, there's some really cool uh, things going on in drag in Mexico, too. And we should go to those shows.
1: We should, yes, definitely. And I think that's our time.
0: Yeah, we, this is actually going to be one of the longer podcasts, but well, it was fun to talk with you.
1: I'm sorry I spoke so much about the sweet potato person. I just really needed to let it off my system. You know, it's just-
0: I don't know if you're doing an impersonation of Georgia from My First Murder or Contrapoint or Natalie.
1: I wasn't doing an impersonation. I'm just being an apologetic American. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry sorry. about this. Uh,
0: Okay. So that's our time, people. Have a nice week.
1: Yeah. Have fun. Let us know what you think. Uh, Recommend us if you liked it. And if you hated it, recommend us as well. You know, there, there must be someone you hate. Right, who do you hate? Tell us on Twitter <laughs> Or on Facebook. To whom do you direct your de- your murderous desires? To whom? Anyway, I just like I just like using the word whom. You, as someone who spent so much time in the States, might not even know that's a word, but it is I
0: do know. I've read British things.
1: I've read I'll have you know. I've read I've British read UK
0: Vanity Fair.
1: Fair enough.
0: And Harry Potter.
1: Harry Potter? Yeah, okay. Okay. Now he's louder, see. Yeah.
0: This is going to come at the end of the podcast. We're just going to let
1: this pass. Yes. Up
0: until the moment, we get an actual studio to record our podcast. Oh
1: my God, it's so going to happen.
0: Exactly. We're going to be part of a podcast network and we're going to go to studio. We're going to get our own, what's his face, Stephen Wynn? Stephen Wynn, yeah. Have you seen, have you heard of the cast?
1: The Per with uh, oh no, not Stephen Wynn, Stephen Ray Morris. Yes. I haven't heard the cast. have you? I like the cast.
0: Yeah? I just... And I love the tagline, it's like, we talk to people we could because we can't talk to their cats.
1: I, oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's so good. Is it just him or is it more
0: people? Uh, it's him and a friend of his, whose name I forget. Okay, we're going to wait with... for it. I just
1: don't think cats are that interesting if I'm honest.